Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Relevant content warnings can be found in each episode's description. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I am joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Hey, y'all. All right, so what are we talking about on the podcast this week? Y'all, we're talking about my top surgery again! Yay! <laughs> what specifically about your top surgery? Because we've talked about your top surgery several times. Okay, I think we've only talked about my top surgery one time on the podcast. You're just thinking about the fact that we talk about it constantly <laughs> at our home. True, that might be true. But this time, we are talking about my consult primarily, and then kind of like the space between my consult and being scheduled. Right. That time period. Right, absolutely. Which for me involved a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. It basically amounted to an extended written consult <laughs> over a couple of weeks. Right. I had... many questions. Right, absolutely. So for this episode, we do have some select segments from Elle's actual phone consult with Dr. Fakeway. Yep, Dr. Fakeway at the Gender Confirmation Center. I think most people know the Gender Confirmation Center for the other surgeon, Dr. Moser, who's been doing like top surgeries for many years, but also is like kind of on the cutting edge of doing non-binary top surgeries. And Dr. Fakeway has worked there for, in my understanding, I'm going to say a year or two. Um, He's been working with Dr. Moser, but he just started doing his own like independent surgeries from Dr. Moser in September, Mm. which means his wait list is uh, pretty short. So (laughs) hop on that if you are a non-binary person looking for top surgery that can access San Francisco. Which is where this clinic is located. Right, right. So we have a couple of selected phone excerpts from Dr. Fakeway here that they graciously allowed us to use. I meant the they was actually the plural for the gender clinic. Oh, okay, fair. We'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) The audio on that is not as top-notch as maybe our audio sometimes is. (laughs) It's recorded through a phone, and also I'm not a great audio scrubber, so... And also, I need to focus on the consult, not getting the audio for it, so... Yeah, so, for a couple of reasons, but that is going to be kind of patched in throughout this episode as well. Mm -hmm. So, let's get started here. Just tell us a little bit about how the consult went for you. Yeah, so, part of the reason that y'all are hearing about this 18 days after my consult, like, I had my consult 18 days before I am now recording this, part of the reason for that is... It stressed me the fuck out. It <laughs> sent me on a little a little bit of a whirlwind. Not for anything Dr. Fakeway did at any point. Like this whole podcast is gonna be a love letter to my surgeon. But just in terms of my own insecurities and in terms of internalized ideas on what I should be doing with my body, especially wanting a pretty non-standard, non-binary top surgery. Mm-hmm. I kind of freaked out post the consult because I didn't necessarily know exactly what I wanted. Or I did know exactly what I want, but I didn't exactly know how to 
describe what I wanted. I was going to say, explain it. Because he, he kind of dropped some terms on you at some point. Oh my god. And I've done a lot of research into non-binary top surgeries, but I still can't understand what convexity and concavity have to do with breasts. I don't, I still, I still to this day don't understand <laughs> th- that language. And yeah, so I definitely walked out of my consult feeling pretty overwhelmed and less certain of myself. And what I wanted, then I walked into it with, which again, was not anything on Dr. Fakeway. It's just me and all the messages that I've internalized around binary genders and binary bodies. But that's part of the reason that there is a long pause between the consult itself and us recording this episode, despite the fact that, to Josie's point, we talk about it all the freaking time. (laughs) But it took me a couple of weeks of like messaging back and forth with Dr. Fakeway to like figure out what I really wanted. And it just took me some time to like sit and realize that like, no, I don't want nipples, even if I have the option to keep them. No, I don't want a radical reduction. Like I do want a resting mask chest. Mm -hmm. So we'll get into some of those details. But I just, I was offered options during my consult that I didn't think would be possible. And that sent me for a tailspin because I was like, ah, like, do I actually want what I want? Like, yeah, which was tough. So I guess before we get into that, maybe what are some things that maybe took you by surprise in regards to the consult and to some of the questions, maybe some of the procedural stuff that mm-hmm. you maybe weren't expecting or that would be helpful for people to know up front? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can actually kind of walk you through the interesting points, in my opinion, of my consult. For context, my consult was about 25 minutes beginning to end. So we're not going to, we're not going to show all of it. We're not going to stream all of it to you. <laughs> but yeah, I can kind of walk you through the interesting points. I'm doing well. How are you? I am great. Thank you. Um, of note, I of Lauren Chicago. I was going to tell you that I live. First off, he made some small talk about living in Chicago, which was like cool of him. And like, whatever. We chatted a little bit about Chicago. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Very nice to be put at ease. Again, Dr. Fakeway is phenomenal. <laughs> so then one of the first like real things that he dived into that I didn't exactly expect was information around breast cancer screening. So I read your comments from when you submit your photos. I also have your photos pulled up, um, as well as your medical history. Mm -hmm. And so that we don't forget, um, we will, let me just go over the medical stuff first. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you know the ages that your um, grandmothers had breast cancer? Ooh, um, one of... In general, like a a decade of their life. So this is only relevant to you if you have breast cancer in your family, but both of my grandparents have had breast cancer. And so Dr. Fakeway was just asking at what ages they had breast cancer. So if you do have breast cancer in your family, try to figure out what ages those people in your family had it. I didn't really know, so that was tough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But basically just if anybody in your immediate family, so that's like probably children, but definitely siblings and parents have had breast cancer at a young age. So like before their 40s, they want you to get a ultrasound or a mammogram, depending on your own age. So for me, it would have been an ultrasound because I'm a little bit younger. Because my grandparents, it was both my grandmothers who had it, and they were older when they had it. Dr. Fakeway didn't really seem all that pressed to get me screened. I don't know what the process would look like if you do have to get screened, but that was just something that I didn't come prepared with the information. So gather that information before you go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And then the big question that like, I wish I would have had more, a more specific answer to, and I encourage you to like, if you're going in for a consult, perhaps 
write down your answer to this question, discuss, find pictures that are your answer to this question. Question being, what are your particular goals for surgery? Okay, so now we can talk about procedure, which sounds like it's going to be potentially a more nuanced conversation based mm-hmm. on your um, comments that you included when you submit the pictures. So I think the best way to start is to find out what your particular goals are from surgery mm-hmm. um, and then what we should really focus on um, that will help us to decide what procedure is right for you mm-hmm. and then also to know what to focus on so that we can help you to be as happy as possible with the results. Perfect. I love that. Yeah, and I, I agree. <laughs> Perhaps more nuanced. <laughs> um <laughs> And so I think for some people, this can be a pretty straightforward answer. Like, I want a chest that looks like it went through a testosterone puberty. Phenomenal. Easy enough. Or I want a chest that looks like it never went through a sex hormone puberty at all. So kind of like a prepubescent or non-pubescent chest. If those are your answers, that's perfect. So you already have your answer to this question. Neither of those are my answer, which makes it complicated. I didn't have, like, a great answer for him on that. I had, like, kind of some ideas. Like, I Mm -hmm. had some, like, vague pictures in my brain of what it could look like and what different things I'd be able to do with my chest because I really want something that allows for gender fluidity. Right. And you mentioned that specifically in the consult. So I think I've talked about this in previous episodes, but I want a relatively masculine chest that is not completely flat. So there's still a bit of fullness, but not like breast shaped fullness and no nipples. I didn't have the language to describe it like I just did during this consult. (laughs) So I much more just had language about like, well, I want it to look like ambiguous underneath the t-shirt, whether or not it's pecs or breasts. I want to be able to use prosthetic nipples to further that ambiguity and he rightfully needed me to narrow that down a little bit for him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's absolutely possible. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of different ways that we can accomplish that. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've had um, conversations such as this with patients before that mm-hmm. stated that goal, you know, of hoping, you know, being able to, you know, alter their presentation. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, the, the trick is, the rub, um, mm-hmm. as I, you kind of alluded to, um, is that, you know, finding an example of what that looks like to you becomes, you know, very important. Okay. Um, you know, unfortunately, you can't be awake in the surgery with me to, yeah. like, look in the mirror and be like, is this enough, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm really kind of, like, acting on what I think your wishes are and mm-hmm. so doing everything that we can to, like, really make sure that that's known for me, you know, since there is such a, a huge gradient from, like, you know, no tissue, totally flat double incision to, you mm-hmm. know, your current anatomy. Mm-hmm. We can kind of do anywhere in between with different techniques. So in hindsight, especially if you're coming in with like, I want to say non-standard goals. Like I think about my goals don't exist on any person who hasn't had surgery. They're right. not standard in any part of the cis life cycle for either sex. So especially if you fall into that camp with me, I would come in with a list of priorities because that's what I ended up developing after this consult in my anxiety fueled couple of weeks, but I didn't have it during the consult. So I suggest write down like, what are your top three things? What are the things you care most about? Like that can be nipple sensation. That can be scar placement. For me, it's scar placement. That can be being perfectly flat. That can be whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and yeah. come in with a, that list of priorities. That's very good advice. Yeah. Back on like having mentioned gender fluidity, I got a lot of happiness from Dr. Fakeway being like, yep, that's something that like my patients have requested before and like we've been able to work out. So like also huge plug for the gender confirmation center. They're just really aware and cool about lots of different non-binary right. gender identities, which is not the case um, in some other top in surgery. some other top surgery places. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked and we talked about that briefly on our non-binary top surgery right. episode, but like specifically this place is pretty on their shit so right exactly so that's just like another plug that was really really cool Mm -hmm. so then like i said he rightfully needed to hone in um what what the fuck it was that i wanted so some of the questions he asked to lead me through that were specifically like why didn't i want nipples so there's different versions of this surgery where we actually leave the nipples attached and they don't come off the body and Mm -hmm. go back on so i'd like to clarify for you if your goal is to have no nipples or your goal is to have no nipples purely because you don't want them to be skin grafts. For some people, it's that nipple grafts freak them out because when you get a nipple graft, they take your nipple off of your body and then they resize it and then they put it back on your body, which really skeeves me out, for instance. The right. concept of a part of me being off and being put back on mm, doesn't do me well. Extremely valid if that is the path that you want to take with your personal top surgery. But... Yeah, absolutely. It's the most common also. Like I right. think that people that are skeeved by it are definitely in the minority. Yeah, so that was my reasoning. Mm-hmm. Which led him to then bring up the fact that I could have a procedure like buttonhole where the nipple isn't detached and preserve my nipple. And here's the point in the consult where I started to kind of fall apart into a little puddle of anxiety because like I have a larger chest and I've been so sure that I would need double incision. And for double incision, you have to have a nipple graft or you don't have nipples that I just become very set on not having nipples because I didn't want grafts and never really considered that I could keep my nipples and if I'd want mm-hmm. to keep them in that case. So when he offered me the fact that I could do that, I didn't know how to process that in the moment of the consult. And in the weeks since the consult, I have realized that I actually want no nipples for like aesthetics as well. Nipples are very binary in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that decision. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> just wait and get prosthetics or get tattoos that I can like... Have more full control over. Have more full control over. And also like, this is a big enough decision right now. <laughs> I don't need to make all of these decisions at once. I can right. do it later. Once I have a chest that fits me better, then I can decide what nipples fit better on that chest. Mm-hmm. So I had to like reaffirm within myself that I didn't want nipples because I suddenly had the option to keep them in a way that would satisfy me. So like without grafts, which again, I didn't have the ability to process that quickly enough. I hadn't Mm -hmm. thought through that. So I guess my advice on that front is like, you don't know what type of surgery I'll need. So like, make sure you consider all of the options or just don't set your heart on something until you talk to your surgeon. But I think that second part's really hard to do. So just consider all of your options. Right, right. I think I definitely like assumed I'd have to get double incision without enough evidence that that was actually true. Right. So then the next question that he asked me to hone in was, did I want a mask or femme quote unquote resting position for my chest? So the next question to help us decide which technique is in its resting position, Um, Do you want the chest to be feminine in form, uh, meaning that it's kind of, it's got that, you know, somewhat conical shape, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of projection, Mm -hmm. or in its resting position, do you want it to be more like a convexity, um, that it's kind of a mound without a specific point to it? 
And this is where all those words like convex and concave came up. And I was like, oh my God, I <laughs> simply don't know what that means. And I really like, again, credit to Dr. Fakeway. He heard that and he was like, wow, okay, I should provide context, not just ask you these questions. And like, he kind of backtracked and tried to explain things to me a little bit. Yeah, and let me actually just say that this is not, this kind of like puts you on the spot and I should phrase these questions differently because you're, you know, going to be considering and, and talking, you know, with, with friends and your partner and mm-hmm. things like that. So I should give you the background rather than just give you the quiz. Um, <laughs> and that is that if we're not going to do nipples, then all of our doors are still open to us and what we would primarily be looking at would be either the, you know, an aggressive breast reduction, mm-hmm. which leaves the the chest mostly flat, um, but ultimately with a feminine form because that's the design mm-hmm. of that surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, or we do the buttonhole approach, but just not with a nipple, and then it becomes, you know, like not entirely flat um, and has some convexity, but it's, it's that mound shape where it's like, you know, more on the masculine side of neutral. So it kind of, the way that I think about it, and I don't think, I don't know if this would apply to kind of every practitioner, but it's the way that I, you know, kind of go about surgery. Mm-hmm. The, the breast reduction is um, for people that want to maintain that feminine form. It's like, it like sways from like neutral to feminine mm-hmm. rather than a butt hole, which is like masculine and neutral. Basically, again, if you are looking at doing some sort of non-binary top surgery, you have a choice not only in how full your chest is after top surgery, so how much tissue there is on your chest, but also in the shape of that tissue. So does it look like a small titty or does it look like a peck or is it more like even across your chest? The former would obviously be more feminine. The latter would be more masculine. And again, I didn't, I just didn't have the language to really interact with these concepts during my consult. I knew I wanted a masculine resting chest, but the surgeries that conserve the nipples create resting feminine chests Mm. and so i got very conflicted in that because Um, you suddenly thought that you could conserve your nipples and so like maybe i should think about that more and then it kind of spiraled from there right and i have some really negative transphobic bullshit that i read from a surgeon that i will not repeat but has really hurt my ability to say that i don't want nipples so i just have like this internalized like well if i could keep my nipples i should which is bullshit because i don't actually want to but like the fact that there was the option to made me feel like I had to. So I got really caught in that. But morphological autonomy. But morphological autonomy. You deserve to have the body that is your body and you get to decide what all the pieces of it are. Right. So I knew I wanted a masculine resting chest. I was just kind of freaked out in the moment. And also I think that Dr. Fakeway and I had a different understanding of what I wanted to be able to do in terms of wearing a bra to have a more feminine chest on days that I wanted a more feminine chest because he mentioned being able to like push up what tissue is there with a bra and make a cleavage. You know, with your goal of, you know, describing like using some, you know, a bra to kind of like push things together to mm-hmm. make it look, you know, a little bit more like cleavage um, you know, or it's like I have, I have patients that say, you know, I'm planning on, you know, binding, you know, to get them to be flat and then, you know, when I'm not, then they're going to have a little bit of, you know, projection in a feminine form. Yeah. So that would be like somebody that wants, you know, a breast reduction, but then just wants to flatten it down to get the masculine look. The, the first one is more real, realistic, being able to smash them down to be flat, mm-hmm. rather than being able to push them together to make a breast-like form. Yeah. 
and that's not really what I'm going for. I'm not really trying to make cleavage right. an option for me. I would just, you know, wear a shirt that doesn't show cleavage and still have titty. Right. I mean, speaking of somebody who does not have cleavage even on her best days, <laughs> it's really hard to make cleavage when you don't have natural cleavage just like there. Right. And that's just not my priority. I've had plenty of cleavage in my life. I'm good. <laughs> You've had your fill. <laughs> I've had my fill. <laughs> Again, I had it at the best times in college. Yeah. Like, who the fuck cares now? Yeah. But so the options he was kind of presenting me is like we could do a radical reduction, which would be through like buttonhole. And then after the consult, we also brought up talking about T-anchor. We could do a radical reduction with either of those options and preserve the nipple and have like small breasts that could then be bound down to be completely flat or like have a slightly feminine shape to them, which is not what I want at all. Like now in this moment when I'm not anxious, I can tell you for sure that's just (laughs) not what I want. But again, I was very like, I was very hung up on this. If I can preserve the nipple, then maybe I should. And even to the point of like, well, like, you know, small breasts with a nipple is like more natural or whatever. So if I'm not even that sure of what I want, shouldn't I go with that? Like I said, lots of internalized bullshit. Right. And I thought personally, one thing that was really interesting when I listened to the consult again with you afterwards was that Dr. Fegway brought up the fact that if you don't have nipples, that actually opens up a ton of options, which he made a joke that that was a little unfortunate for you. With taking the nipples off, Mm -hmm. I have, you know, basically like full latitude to do any of this. I can, you know, make it a small breast Mm -hmm. um, that looks kind of like we've described. And I know that's not where you're leaning at this moment, but just kind of like, you know, paint you the picture. Yeah. A lot of the limitations surgery are like handling of the nipple and placement of the nipple. Right. And so if you take that out of the equation, it becomes actually really hard for you because I can do anything. (laughs) It's a good problem to have. (laughs) It is kind of, yeah, because a lot of times like if we leave it attached, we're talking about issues of blood supply and people want to maintain sensation or, you know, and the nerves to the nipple itself. And Mm -hmm. that will dictate the thickness. And I kind of go like, and some people like as thin as I can, but to leave as much blood to leave the nipple alive. So if that kind of helps Right, because like he said, most of the constraints in top surgery are preserving and then placing the nipple, because that is like what a lot of people care about. And so if I don't want that, he's like, yeah, I can do whatever the fuck you want with the rest (laughs) of the tissue. And I'm like, ah! Ah. (laughs) So then the final thing that he and I talked about, and also my final piece of advice for folks, is just having pictures of what you want. So what I would have you do then is you know, you can kind of peruse on our website mm-hmm. and take a look at some of these, you know, different options and look at buttonhole procedures in terms of the overall contour on the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then know that we would just not be doing the, the nipple. The buttonhole part of a buttonhole is the nipple coming up through the skin. Mm-hmm. And what we would do is we would like to select a predetermined amount of chest tissue that you would like to retain. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, leave that in place on the chest and then kind of take away everything else. And I think that that would leave you, you know, with a more reliable contour than a double incision where we, like, leave some more thickness. Um, mm-hmm. so, so kind of what the uh, challenge is, is then we have to figure out for you, like, how much is the right mm-hmm. amount. That makes sense. Um, and that's something, you know, that we can do over time. It's obviously going to what we do um, to be able to help delineate this and get kind of as clear direction as possible mm-hmm. is that you, 
ideally, you know, you can send in a goal image of like, this would be great. And mm-hmm. that's, I know you said you've had a hard time finding that, but yeah. you have some time to kind of peruse. And it can be, it doesn't have to be like a post-op result. It can just be just any chest that you see. And I have some people send me in pictures of, you know, various like um, influencers or, mm-hmm. you know, just people in like media or advertising or something that they see that they're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, and it, sometimes it's just folk and sometimes it's not. Um, so there's that. Dr. Fakeway said specifically that like it doesn't have to be a post-op chest. It can be a cis person's chest. It can be like a famous person's chest. He didn't say this directly, but I can only imagine it can be somebody from porn's chest. <laughs> like that's where we see a lot of chests, <laughs> at least like feminine chests if you're trying to get like a radical reduction. Although, especially listening back to it, I realized that like for me, it can't be those things because like Again, like the chest that I'm looking for would only happen with surgery. Yeah. Yeah. I know that part of the reason for that too for you is that you've talked about how your scars are very important, Mm -hmm. like the scar placement. And so like a chest that doesn't have scars doesn't really speak to what you're looking for. But at the same time, also, I know that you have some pictures that you have gathered that are basically people that have nipples, but have the approximate chest shape you want Mm -hmm. without scars, but with nipples. And like, there is some room for interpretation in that but you're right it isn't what you want it kind of by design has to be post-op right but in that vein something that dr fakeway said is helpful is like finding a picture that is like the minimum fullness that you would want and the maximum fullness that you would want and then the picture that is very helpful is one in which you say like this is the absolute like max of chest fullness that i would be okay with Okay. Knowing that, like, so me and know that if I go anywhere past that, then that's, like, outside of the realm of your happiness. So even if you can't find something that's spot on, kind of finding something that brackets what you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I would also assume, like, finding things that kind of have different elements of what you would want. That's been very helpful. And then, so that was my consult. That was, that was the end of that. At the end of it, he was like, do you have any questions? And I, like, looked at my list of, like, at least 10 questions. And I was like... I have so many questions. And he was like, okay, why don't you send me a message? Like number the questions and either I or my team will get back to you. And I was like, thank the gods. So I did that. And so we went back and forth, like I said, for a couple of weeks. That was when I brought up T-anchor surgery. We talked more about buttonhole. We talked about like what the possibilities would look like. Mm -hmm. And like the reality was with buttonhole, I was going to have like still a a relatively feminine chest. Like, probably something in the A or B cup, I would have to bind to look flat. And that was never what I wanted. I hate, I can't bind. I hate binding. So, that wasn't an option. We talked about T anchor, which would allow for like it to be a little bit flatter. But as Josie mentioned, the scar placement is actually probably my top priority, really. And the T anchor puts the lower scar directly in the mound of the fullness of the breast or the pec or whatever tissue. And I didn't like that. I like the scars to go beneath the fullness of the chest. Right. Which is, again, not something I had the language for during my consult. This is all post-consult things that I figured out. But I ended up finding a couple of pictures that really vibed with me. And I was like, this, 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 this. Will you, can I do this with DI with no, DI's double incision, with no nipple grafts? And they were finally like, yes, we can do that with DI with no nipple grafts. And I was like, money down. Like, that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. No more of this other nonsense and i think that it's good that i went down that path like i Mm -hmm. i think that it's good that dr fakeway brought up those options because it's good that i considered that like i could keep my nipples and i don't 
want the options that that would present for me. Like, right. I don't want those <laughs> options. Right, right. Because like he said, those options make for less freedom as to what your chest can actually look like and mm-hmm. what you can dictate. Because yeah. you have to deal with nipples, right. which are entire own organs, basically, that right. have to have their own like independent blood flow. And nerves. <sighs> yeah, it was more stressful than I wanted it to be, I think is the unfortunate reality. But I feel like there's some joy in it. Too. I feel like there was joy later. I mean, that's true. I guess the joy comes later. I think that it is. I mean, it's a really big decision. It, it's a really big decision. And there aren't examples of what I'm trying to do. There are mm-hmm. not necessarily words for what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And I, I can see how that would be very challenging. And I'm super, so, so happy that like, I have a surgeon who's willing to like sit with me through that. Right. <laughs> but it is still just harder and it it requires a lot of emotional labor from me to be like wait no this is what I want and like make sure that I'm still connecting with like my internal desire right because again it isn't like a normalized thing (laughs) yeah do you have any advice on how to do that for people who might be going through it right now yeah so I mean journal write things down Mm -hmm. especially if you don't have somebody to talk to like I have with Josie and like when I say I have Josie to talk to, I don't mean, I'm sure you have friends and such, dear listener, that will listen to you. But I mean, like, I sometimes talk to Josie as though I'm journaling because she's always around. We're still locked down in our little tiny one bedroom apartment. <laughs> and I'll just turn to her and be like, okay, I'm going to tell you some shit about top surgery. And then she just like holds it for me in a way, which it's okay if your friends don't want to do that for you. It would be okay if Josie didn't want to do that for me. <laughs> but just like, say it, like say what it is that you want again mm-hmm. and again, because I know for me... It's really hard to remember that that's what I want because it seems so impossible or it seems so impossible that I would want something that literally nobody else has ever wanted as far as I can like really find. And so I need like constant reminders. I made like a little jar that has like little slips of paper that are like, I mean, this is this is for post-op for me, but like that have just like affirmations of why I want the surgery that I'm going with and like. I've written like a letter to my future chest about like that it'll be new and scary because like, again, I can't see anybody else who has this chest. So it's going to be me and my chest figuring it out. Yeah. (laughs) But like document it, document that you want it. Absolutely. Because I think that's the important thing is to like remember that you do. Yeah. And draw confidence from that documentation because Mm -hmm. you know what you are and what you want and what you need and you know, follow that as best as is medically possible. Right, exactly. And like, again, talk to your surgeon, like, don't get your mind so set on like thinking, you know, because I definitely like I, I mean, I'm producing more material for the internet for to do this with but like, I'm definitely that bitch who watched too many, too many top surgery vlogs, and I'm still going to and I scroll the top surgery subreddit too much, like, I'm constantly taking this information in and that gave me this sense that like I knew I would have to get double incision before I talked to my surgeon and my surgeon was like, nah, like we have other options. So try to avoid doing that. Like try to keep your mind open until you talk to your surgeon about your body because like no matter how many people on the internet look just like you and said they had to get to DI, like you don't know until you talk to your surgeon. Yeah. And yeah, that's a very good point. You are not a medical professional. We are not medical professionals. Right. Dr. Fakeway is a medical professional, mm-hmm. but Dr. Fakeway was not talking to you today. So right. like- Right. And because like everybody is still very different. Right. Like that's another thing I learned in my consult is like, oh my God, like I thought that I understood. And then like Dr. Fakeway started using these words. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So- Like, they are looking at and looking for things that, like, you 
almost certainly don't have language for. I'm pretty confident to say you don't have language for. Yeah. And that's okay. You don't have to have language for it, but just like keep your mind open until you actually talk to your surgeon when your surgeon is either looking at your body or looking at photos of your body. Right. Absolutely. Any final thoughts? Oh, I mean, final thought. My uh, insurance approved my top surgery, so I'll be scheduling it on Monday, probably for the end of May. So send me good vibes. (laughs) Oh, God, I'm so excited for you. (laughs) I'm so excited for that. I know. I got the... Y'all, I want Monday to be here faster. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) It's Tuesday when you're listening to this, hopefully. So send me good vibes for the fact that my top surgery is already scheduled. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think that's where we're going to wrap it up this week for Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Bye, y'all. And until next time, just keep thinking about it. Music for Gender Journeys composed by Sonia Berdash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josiewrites.com slash gender journeys. We hope to hear from you soon.